Everything that makes country racing great. This is Bushbeat on Radio Tab. It's travelling as well as anything, Parco. It's rolling along out in front, a length and a half on Bittersweet Pluck, who's right there, ready to rumble. On the inside, Echo Point's just going to have to see daylight shortly. Soul Air. Now, Smooth Move is running into it nicely around the outside. Further back, Tycoon Zip and Tower Road on the point of the corner. And your leader on the inside is Parco, but here's the favourite, Echo Point, letting down with two. 200 to go. Ballard says, let's go, boy. And Echo Point races clear. Running a cheeky race in second is Soul Air, but Echo Point off to Brisbane. Echo Point wins by three and a quarter legs over Parco. Soul Air, Tycoon Zip, Hindon Station, smooth move. The feature at Blackhall last weekend. I noticed that a very expensive yearling won earlier in the program as well, which Tony Clements and Rob Luck are going to tell us about the third on the car. But uh, let's say good morning to Tony Clements. How are you, Tony? I'm well, thank you, Steve. Hello to you and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Bushbeat for another week on Radio Tab, rounding up all of the country news and three more pieces of the Country Cups Challenge puzzle falling into place on the weekend with Echo Point winning the Blackhall Cup, as you just heard with the call there from Watsy. Vivenzo took out the Innisfail Cup and Queen V for KO Racing. Vanasta taking out the Wandai Cup. We also had a couple of Stampede qualifiers on the weekend. Kalashnikov winning at Blackhall and Dollop winning at Stanthorpe. Plus the uh, Battle of the Bush winner, Art by Concord, continuing on its winning way, taking out the Baringa Cup at the Mitchell Program on the weekend. Lots of news to get through on the show this morning and a special guest coming up to tell us about a whole heap of things from the uh, Queensland Racing Industry Support Program and the new <coughs> jockey availability website that we've been promoting <coughs> on Bushbeat the last couple of weeks. We'll tell you all about that and more when we chat with Cameron Parlington at the uh, tail end of the show. But first up, let's say good day to Rob Luck. Hello, Rob. Yeah, good morning, Tony. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, listeners. Uh, yeah, it's been a busy weekend on the country racing circuit, Tony, as the country stampede and country cup starts to have that uh, puzzle uh, pieces put in place. So I've had a busy morning myself, Tony. We had my father-in-law and mother-in-law, John and Teresa, and their friends, Brian and Tia. They've been on a trip down to Byron Bay, and they decided to uh, just stop in on the way way back. I tried to talk him into a second day, Tony, but I think they're more worried they'd end up at the uh, Magic Millions ready-to-run two-year-old <laughs> sale later in the day. So they've on their way back to Bundaberg, but lovely that they were able to come in and see us uh, this morning. And I think I've uh, been able to educate John on how to turn AM radio on to the, uh, the Audi and make sure they were tuned in this morning. So I've done the shout-out, Tony, but... <laughs> Safe travels to your family. You see what um, happens when you uh, relocate yourself to the coast uh, while you're still out doing some of the country racing spots, Rob. You get to the coast, you've never had so many friends drop in want to say hello. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. As uh, I think Teresa said to me this morning, it's the fifth time this year they've been down. I said, well, there'll be plenty more to come. And the other beautiful thing is that you're close to where the Magic Million sales are as well, in my case, isn't it? So uh, <laughs> get the best of both worlds down here and then you can uh, flit out to... Cunnamulla and those places to do a bit of race calling as well. But isn't this puzzle taking its place for the uh, country cups? And and for our listeners, please use the Racing Queensland uh, website because you'll find that the Queensland Country Cups does feature very heavily in their news section and they have the table up to date with the uh, new additions from the, uh, the weekend, of course. Uh, a lot more of the pieces of the puzzles for the Country Cup seem to be in place in the Stampede. You've got to do a bit of a search to get the Stampede results. And uh, in the Stampede, uh, just interestingly, from what I can tell by the colour coding they used, only two horses seem to be ineligible, Ruby July and High Cost. Um, 
But uh, we heard there the Blackall result. Now, isn't this Country Cups really starting to take shape with a major clash of uh, proven horses that are going to come through because we heard Echo Point, which was last year's Country Cups winner, about to defend its title. We'll be back uh, for this year's final at the beginning of December. Took out the Black Ore Cup. It's already won the Tree of Knowledge Cup at uh, Bar Calden, so locally it is proving its worth. It carried 64 kilos for Raymond Williams and, of course, champion jockey Dan Ballard. Beautiful ride for this Sebring gelding. He was very unlucky first up in the Eidsvold heat, so that's a heat that's really important to check the form through. But uh, Willie Chandler, Hands and Heels Ownership Group, they'll be really looking forward to getting down to Brisbane and defending the title with Echo Point and a very impressive win. When you watch that, Tony, you see how easily Echo Point did it with that margin at the end being 3.25 and the weight advantage to the other runners, uh, anything up to uh, six to eight kilos involved. So uh, Blackall really featured with that meeting and uh, what a great meeting. Uh, the other thing I noted about the country meetings across the weekend, Stanthorpe uh, had a, a, a great cup day and, of course, Innisfail 10 races, Blackall out to seven races. And uh, what a fantastic way to start a meeting when Charlie Prow, legendary trainer Charlie Prow, 82 years old, gets the first winner with El Jaroba and Johnny Rudd, a jockey who travels the length and breadth of southwest to the central west and even the northwest. And this good old Schwarzier gelding after four placings got up and took the first. You couldn't get it scripted any better for Blackall, being the local trainer, legendary. Good on you, Charlie Proud. Get, great to see you get that winner. Of course, stables like the Schofield Stable uh, have come right into form at this time of the year. They had the double. We'll talk more about Kalashnikov uh, just a little bit later because it was the Country Stampede qualifier winner. And uh, also great to see that, Tony, when we have a young jockey on, as Emily Pomfret did last week, we didn't put the knock on her. She got a double again. This is about the third double, I think, now for Emily. Preferral for Mark Oates, having its first run for the stable. And shut it down, one of Emily's favourite horses now, I think. Uh, four from 13, this galloper winning the Class 3. Um, Tony Schofield, I mentioned that double Kalashnikov and designed to win. And, of course, uh, David Rewald, being a local trainer there, had Freddie Eddy on his home track get his second win from four starts in the benchmark 65. But I just thought it, it seemed to be a meeting that, uh, that summed up everything good about country racing on the weekend, that particular meeting, from Charlie Prow getting the winner, a young apprentice who's travelling far and wide to go to country race meetings to get the experience getting a double. And on top of that, you had a country cups uh, champion in place, a defending champion, as well as a black opal winner taking the country stampede in Kalashnikov. So well done, Blackall. Um, great meeting there on the country uh, circuit on the weekend but I talked about that that clash that's likely to come up because let's have a hear a listen to the win by Vanasta at Wandai of course one, uh, Vanasta chased home Echo Point in the Country Cups last year and what an impressive win it was in the Wandai Cup on the weekend 
down the back of a track and now going to the lead was Portnoy. It set sail about a length and a half in front. Oakfield Comanche still out deep. They're followed then over next to the inside, getting a lovely run Vanasta. Or no, Oakfield Comanche's only one away from the rail. Out wide is a fighting fury as they come onto the circle. Bulletin starting to gain a bit of ground. Starting to drop out thin as they come up towards the corner with Springthorpe. Maitland's coming for a long way back. Alatar's using the rack, not travelling. Chino and also Patmos Island. Into the straight and over on the inside, Portnoy quickly tackled and challenged on the outside and passed easily with Vanasta under heavy pressure. He's getting away from them. Vanasta, the rest are very tired behind. It looks like an easy win in the cup coming up for Vanasta. Look out for Doomben on November 2. Vanasta is going right on with the job. Vanasta wins brilliantly in second berth, finishing strongly then in about eight Yes, did hours. it very easily. Gary Gearing in the saddle for son Corey and wife Kylie uh, with Vanasta winning by eight lengths, if you don't mind, Rob, in the Roy and Glenis Redun's Wandai Cup on Saturday. Yeah, I reckon Brett Moody was cheering from a long way out with Vanasta. I know he was very hopeful being a part owner of Vanasta and what a great run they've had with this eight-year-old, eight-year-old mare by I'm Invincible. 11 wins from 54. Tony, it chased home Echo Point last year. Um, this horse is so versatile. It loves the sand. Um, it hasn't run too many times on the sand, but it's got an impeccable record on the sand and, and it stood out on the weekend. Uh, you've got a horse like Portnoy that ran second in the Ewan Cup um, which was one of the qualifying legs as well. So the strength of these heats going through, I really think you've got to look closely at this race because Fanasta was also third to Office Jim in the Tara Cup that ended up being run at Dolby. So Office Jim puts itself right into the equation. The Eidsville one I've already mentioned where Echo Point was unlucky and Echo Point uh, appears to be in the right frame of mind or form going forward. So... Uh, Corey and Kylie Gearin and Gary Gearin, that combination doing a great job and uh, that's a very convincing way to make sure that you make the final in uh, Brisbane uh, with Finasta. Uh, so it's, it's really starting to take shape, uh, the country cups. Um, the other thing about Wandai, an interesting trend I'm noticing, the number of jockeys, and we'll be talking more about jockeys in the second part of the program, but the number of jockeys moving to Queensland, which in turn is having uh, an impact on the metropolitan group, I suppose, it increases the supply. As a result, you're starting to see a little bit of movement of some of the jockeys who tend to be metropolitan or inner-provincial, if you like to call it that, with Gatton and Kilcoy and so on, then um, Bow Desert areas, that type of thing. Tiffany Brooker, I haven't seen Tiff go too uh, too many times to Wandai, but Tiff Brooker had a treble on the day there on the weekend and uh, that little bit of movement of jockeys going out into the country is benefiting the, the country racing as well. And Tiff Brooker combined with Lee Wanless on Best Song to take the benchmark uh, 60 handicap. She also had a race-to-race double in races three and four with Viva Americana, the American American Pharaoh a galloper taking the maiden plate for Glenn Richardson. And for Jason Edwards, combined with a Summer Star, took the cutest rating span zero to uh, 50, and unfortunately no cutest money going off in that particular race. And uh, the other winner on the day, of course, was the Storm for Simon Alex and Matthew Powell. But uh, really good to see Tiff Brooker making the uh, trek out to Wandai to the sand track and uh, rewarded well and truly uh, with that treble uh, for her efforts. But the win of Vanasta just adds to that result going forward to the Country Cups final. It is starting to take shape and going to be a cracker of a final, Tony. I think it's uh, also coming into play, Rob, like we probably discussed going back earlier in the year with this year's edition of the Battle of the Bush. I think trainers and owners and connections 
it's not a, not a case of the penny has dropped, but they're starting to really zero in and hone down the type of horse it takes to win these kind of races. I, I guess when it all came along and it was all very new, it was, well, what can we uh, aim at this Country Cup's final? Now it's almost like horses are being set and targeted for it. Uh, they might be up to uh, certainly uh, tab provincial standard, but then they'll go out and have their five country starts or whatever the exact number is and qualify. And I really think that people are now starting to hone in on this race. Oh, very much so. And uh, the benefit also, when you've had the uh, Battle of the Bush mid-year, of course, and that uh, being the sprinting distance, uh, that leads to the fact that um, horses have then been planned for heats and runs. The Battle of the Bush has slightly different qualifications where you have to have had the five non-TAB runs before a heat. The qualifications, of course, with um, the Stampede and the Country Cups uh, a little bit different in that you can build up your country heats um, before and after. And as a result, when you look at the table at the moment, there is a, a few that sit there like Office Gym and Olympic Korshnoi sit there as not eligible for final, insufficient country starts. But there is plenty of time for them to get their final number of country starts in. Um, so, yeah, it's all part of that uh, that planning. And uh, the uh, the gallopers that who have maybe progressed, particularly with the Stampede, those that progressed towards the Battle of the Bush, or were they going that way? By accumulating those heats, they've got a lot of that out of the way. If they didn't quite make the Battle of the Bush, some of them only need the one or two starts leading into this one to get the final number they need. So uh, I think it's really yeah, it's really coming together. Uh, people understand it better. And uh, as a result, trainers and owners are planning better. And, of course, I think they're spending more money to get the right type of horse uh, that will suit the actual um, conditions of the race and have the best chances um, to win. Um, and, of course, let's not forget the far north because at Innisfail on the weekend, and we don't have the replay of the Innisfail one, I don't believe, do we, Tony, with Vivenzo. No. Now, Vivenzo is an interesting um, horse going forward because Michael Morrison has this horse based up there and Jeffrey Felix, welcome back to the cat. Look at that for a way to come back into the saddle and get the Innisfail Cup over the uh, 2,000 metres with Vivenzo. Won the Gordonvale Cup at its last run. So here you have a horse in form going forward. It's been qualifying in races that are over 2,000, not the 1,600. And what a finish that was because Play Me Now's in form and the Driller's in form. Um, and there was only uh, just over a quarter of a length. And Wise Dragon, I'm pretty sure Wise Dragon was the Ewan Cup winner. So here's a strength of a race again that from the far north brings into the equation Vivenzo um, for Michael Morrison and uh, in this case Jeffrey Felix. So uh, you, you're starting adding, to, adding that quality of galloper, an informed galloper, in form into the equation and you get a really top-class Country Cups final. Um, of course, I mentioned Jeffrey Felix coming back and the best way to do it, but, Tony, 10 races. I didn't realise. I kept looking through the pages. I must have finished the notes for these ones, and I thought, no, I haven't. There's another race to go, <laughs> and there's another race to go. 10 races at a country racetrack. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, wonderful to see for a non-tab program to be able to host a 10-race card like that. I didn't actually go back and I'm just going to scroll to the top of the page now. 109 starters, if you don't mind. Yeah, and doubles galore. Stephen Bush, Scott Sheargold, 
Jason Taylor, uh, just quickly running through them all. Uh, Jenna Edwards kicked off the program with Bean Warrior and Rodney Miller. Stephen Bush and Scotty Sheargold with Midas Star took the benchmark 65. Then Stephen had a race-to-race double, combined this time with Adrian Late with a Holy Roman Emperor gelding called Risket. Now, the cutest money went off all place getters, Mrs Perkins, nothing serious, into second and third. Uh, Jason Taylor combined with Bones Bailey with Premium Star, a super one that uh, rang up win number two. And then uh, Jason, of course, had a further winner. I'm sure he did. There's so many pages. Yes, he did with Healing Game and uh, Freddie Whelan to get his double for the day. Chelsea Jockick chimed in with uh, Maria Patiris with Enough Roses, the Rich Enough. Alan Peters, uh, Patterson with Scott Sheargold for the second of Scott's uh, double, Hearts of Roman, cutest money going off. And Silent Explorer, has a horse that likes to track. Now, this is a feature race as well, the Johnson River Open, Canadian Club, Johnson River Open, handicap 1,200 metres. The Loop de Vega, two from three at the track, Silent Explorer. Got a Quinella result for the Headley ownership with bold type. Stephen Massingham trained as well, Quinella to the trainer. Yes, Dream into third. Good quality sprint field for that particular race. And then the Headley Colours and Fred Whelan came up again uh, with Jason Taylor on Healing Game, defeating Canunga Hill. And Roth and Bell for Morgan Butler and Ray Muller. Morgan Butler, I saw that race. He's riding extremely well on this far north circuit. He uses the rails to advantage. A magnificent ride on Roth and Bell to get that win over 1,500. But Vivenzo just adds that extra dimension to the Country Cups um, final uh, that is plays out at the beginning of December. And we had another one too, didn't we, somewhere? Yeah, uh, we're coming up to um, the final is going to be, I've got it down on my notes here somewhere, uh, yeah, December 2nd uh, on George Moore Stakes Day at Durban. Yeah. We've got four legs of the Country Cups Challenge qualifiers to go. Yeburn and Home Hill have their cup programs on the 4th of November, Charleville Cup on uh, the 7th of November, and the Roma Cup will be the last leg, the Club Hotel Roma Cup on November 18. But still a long way to go, Rob, for the country stampede. We've only had six heats so far, and there's still 10 to go. Uh, let's uh, zero in on a couple of those now, and first of all, hear what happened with Dollop winning at Stanthorpe. 600 metres from the judge, so it's Dollop in front narrowly. Turbo out the outside of it and Fitzroy Boy to third. Three deep on the track to momentarily make a line of three as they climb the hill. So at the top of the rise here and there, followed by Elusive Eagle, who's fourth. Jack B. Lucky's who to the outside, homeward bound. Dollop in front. Turbo Arts still there up on the outside, about a long neck away. It's Dollop in front, 200 to go. Turbo Arts two further back now, followed by Fitzroy Boy. Jack B. Lucky down the outside, but it's Dollop in front, 75 to go. Led by three, roaring away. Dollop for the money. Dollop beating Jack B. Lucky, and they're followed by Turbo Ward. Good win for Tyler Leslie to board the Nicholas Beck train. Dollop winning by three and three quarter lengths ahead of Jack B. Lucky and Turbo Ward in the Queensland Country Bank Country Stampede qualifier at Stanthorpe, Rob. And this is the other aspect of country racing that's going from strength to strength, having these series races. And here's the one for the sprinters, the country stampede with Dollop, who's won from 900 to 1,200, won at Gunda three back. So Amara Zara Gelding that's in form. <laughs> Look at that, Corey and Kylie Gearan with a second-place getter with Jack B. Lucky and Turbo Art. Uh, this, again, was a country meeting that was a model, if you like, for the weekend with something like 3,000 people in attendance, bookmakers galore, social media comments and uh, pictures really displaying Stanthorpe 
with a massive crowd out there where Colleen Cronin uh, took the double, including the cup with Top Babe. Now, this was a roughie for the day. $31 for the Ron Drysdale camp. Come off a third at Kilcoy, three back the Darcy Brahma. And was too good for outlaw Josie Wales and expectant. Uh, so that was a bit of an upset result, but it was an extremely tight finish. And great to hear Anthony Collins out there doing the calling with only two lengths covering the first six horses uh, through. Colleen had the first winner also for Jeff Dunn with Prince of Marrakesh. And these apprentice uh, girls continue to go well. Uh, Where the Crawdads Sing for Kieran Kerwin. By the way, that's a, a great book series too, Tony, or a great book and a TV series, Where, Where the Crawdads Sing. Sophie Wilcock riding this Cable Bay three-year-old gelding. Uh, as you mentioned, Tyler Leslight, good to see him get that win in that area after moving from the Billy Johnson stable down to Desley Forster. And uh, Master Plan, oh, there's an achievement in itself. Brad Stewart, now training. First winner, Tony, he got it. His second starter, his first starter, of course, was Master Plan. But second time he's taken a horse to the races, combined with Joanna McGrath. Congratulations, Brad Stewart. Uh, first um, winner as a trainer, fantastic jockey Brad was. And this three-year-old by Sidestep, who's going extremely well as a stallion, defeated Littermont and Mashani Farrow. But there was an, a result that also suggested on the weekend, well, if Echo Point can defend his title, I have a funny feeling the result coming out of Mitchell and the Baringa Cup with Art by Concord suggests he's going to be back and defending his title as well. 400 metres to travel, the point of the corner, Nick the Skip in front up by Concord, quickly up on the outside, Menindi sitting out three wide and then followed by down the outside would have been Jakama at the 200, up by Concord sprints to the lead, Menindi after up by Concord, but there's nothing going to catch the art Art's too good, one by two legs to uh, Nick the Skip Menindi's run third, they've run Starting to rack up a bit of a picket fence here, Rob, dating back to May when he won the Battle of the Bush qualifier at Cunnamulla. Of course, then won the Battle of the Bush final at Eagle Farm back in June. We reported on him returning to the winner's circle with the run at the uh, TAB program at Emerald at the beginning of this month. That was uh, just under three weeks ago. And, yeah, from the sounds of things there, really back in a big way, taking out the Baringa Cup there at Mitchell and beating some pretty handy horses. Nick the Skip, last year's Roma Cup winner, Menindi and Hanover Square in the field and that's not forgetting the other uh, couple that were there Marabinda Mick, Jakama and Del Toro there's a really good crop of these uh, these country horses that are going around at the moment. Yeah Nick the Skip of course winning the Roma Cup last year up by Concord, my apologies it was the Battle of the Bush finally won last year uh, now he goes for the double I'm um, not too sure there's been a horse to do the double yet, but up by Concord certainly has the credentials to do so. And Craig Smith will be just rubbing his hands in delight to have this gelding in such good form. Liv O'Donnell with the win out there in the weekend uh, where Jacob Golden took the riding honours with the double on Alan All for Scott Rogers and Savvy Song for Craig Smith to give Craig Smith the double for the day. The Cunnamulla form came through all right uh, from the meeting there two weeks ago. A zoo stick ran out there. William Pugsley backed up there at Mitchell on the weekend with Paul Randall to get the benchmark 55. And uh, Amy Graham combined with Monique Gavin on Seaberg that was in the maiden at Cunnamulla. And it got, got the win there on the weekend over three more wishes. And uh, let's go then. And uh, that wrapped up that particular meeting out there at Mitchell but no that was a feature to have Art by Concord uh, win so convincingly so horses like Art by Concord and Echo Point they've set the bar already the others have got to measure up to it um, Tony and uh, we look forward to a cracking stampede and Country Cups final 
uh, come December. I mentioned the remaining four heats of the Country Cups Challenge qualifiers. Uh, there's 10 to go through, so I won't go through you know the exact same amount of dates and times and everything, but we're going off to Gympie this weekend with a 10.30 metre quality open. Uh, then there's Bar Calden on the 4th of November, Gladstone and Charleville on Melbourne Cup Day, November 7. The following Saturday, Chinchilla, Morumbar and Cooktown. November 18, it's Mount Perry, Clermont and the final leg also on Roma Cup Day at Bassett park on the 18th of november so it'll be very interesting to see how all of that will fall into place mentioning gimpy this weekend roberts gimpy cup day along with that country stampede qualify it's also clifton cup day coming up on saturday great to see child will back up and running and they have a meeting this weekend leading into their cup program coming up in november it's also ross cup day at isisford on saturday richmond are racing as are gladstone and that's not forgetting the uh, tab programs for the week ahead mount isa today rockhampton on friday uh, home hill is racing on Saturday. Now, that was the Townsville program that will feature the two-year-olds in the Palarenda Stakes, uh, as well as, of course, Toowoomba Racing Saturday. And a shout-out to uh, Con Searle and the team at Kilcoy with their TAP program coming up next Tuesday to round out the month. I'm glad you brought up those meetings, Antony, because this really leads into the introduction of our next guest in Cameron Partington from the Queensland Trainers. And I've, I've been commenting on Bushbeat in recent weeks that that magic number of around five... Uh, races in the non-tab circuit gives the right quantity for the number of jockeys to match the supply and demand. We've got a great supply of, of jockeys and apprentices coming through. As I mentioned earlier, jockeys moving up from the south as a result, movement of jockeys from more of the city areas into the provincial and country. So the supply is there and we've got to get the match with the demand uh, for it because we, we want to get away in country racing from this notion that you only nominate if you know you've got a jockey available. You need, you need to be able to nominate your horse and say, I'll, I'll be able to get a jockey. And that's been part and parcel of a lot of people's uh, approaches to improving country racing. Now, we hit this weekend, and we've got about six meetings um, there with Charleville, Clifton, Gladstone, Gympie, Isisford, and now you mentioned Home Hill instead of Townsville. They start impacting, uh, I mightn't have mentioned Richmond, they start impacting on the supply because jockeys will travel a thousand kilometres to ride in the races and I think it's very important um, that this is a good sample for the weekend as we, we introduced Cameron Partington here this morning. It's great to have you on Cam uh, because the initiative that you're putting forward with the jockeys at the moment and the jockeys are taking it up. I'll let you explain it in detail and the website it's on but congratulations on pushing to get this table of information of availability of jockeys and where they're riding up and going. It was tried about 10 years ago and it didn't get off the ground. You've got it off the ground and you're pushing it hard. Welcome to Bushbeat and uh, let's hear all, all about this new initiative. Yeah, g'day Rob and Tony. Great to, to be on the show. Yeah, the jockey availability page, it's, it, look, it's, it's been, as I said, the industry's been crying out for it and um, where you mentioned before, Rob, about you know the amount of meetings on a Saturday, particularly spring carnival time, you know all these local clubs during the spring carnival want to have a race meeting, line it up with mm. the Caulfield Cup or line it up with the Cox Plate, and and you can't begrudge that from them. But Racing Queensland has already taken those steps to to look at trying to get rid of that sort of gluttony of race meetings on a Saturday because the jockey shortage is you know is only one of the problems, and the other problems is just getting the product, you know, on there, you know, for, from a tab point of view for betting and all those scenarios. So we're seeing get a change in the guard there and it will happen and and you know we're still going to obviously want clubs to have their meetings on these great days but not every time there's a saturday these bush clubs are going to have to look at running you know mondays and tuesdays and we're seeing it already and it gets that a little bit more tab product as well out there which is good but um, finding the jockeys on those busy days 
trainers I know, that's what obviously I look after trainers, and they just constantly say to me, we have no idea who's riding at the meetings. And they'd be ringing five jockeys before they get the sixth one and even tell him he's even going to the meeting, you know, and then to find out he's got to ride in the race. So very time-consuming. Now they can jump on the page. It's Just for the listeners, it's just go to www.qrisp.info. So it's crisp with a Q, R-I-S-P.info. On that page, um, you'll find a button that says jockey availability. You hit that and you can instantly go to any date you like and see scroll down and find the meeting and anyone who's riding it, say, whether it's Tarum or whether it's Mount Isa, scroll across and see who the jockey is. We've got about 135 jockeys on there at the moment, boys, and I would think there's about 150 active jockeys in Queensland that ride regularly. So we're not far off you know, having everyone there, but it's just a matter of getting them to update the details. They can't update it themselves because it would be obviously be a big mess if we had 130 people all getting into the dashboard of a, of a website and wanting to change things. We'd have them, you know, all sorts of phone numbers getting changed. Who knows what would happen, TC? <laughs> um, so, yeah, they just basically, but you know, their job's the, you know, the easy bit. Um, and I, I update it all. And it's no drama to update it if I'm getting 10 or 20 a day during the day. I can just go in there and update it. It's not a big problem. But when they're not getting updated, trainers go to the site and look at it and say, well, from my information here, nobody's even riding at Charleville next Saturday. Well, that doesn't help them. They'll just obviously go away from the site and not use it again. So the importance and the responsibility on the jockeys is to and, and look at the, at the actual page themselves will be a good start. And then they'll see how it works and they'll then see everybody else that's on there and all their names on all the meetings and see the gap where they're not there and go, well, gee, I need to get on to my manager or if they manage themselves, get on to it myself and get my details up there on a regular basis. So... If it's done right, you know, jockeys probably once a week can send through their next week's worth of work and they might be two or three weeks' worth in advance and that's just to be, a, be a, you know, obviously the, the exact thing we're looking for. So a trainer can go on there and, and maybe have nine jockeys' names going to a race meeting, whereas before that he had no idea who was going there. It was just to ring around and hope for the best. Cam, just to give it a little bit of an example there for those that aren't looking at screens like we might be, um, and I'm just going to pluck a couple of names out at the top of the page. Obviously, it's alphabetical, and most people will think, oh, yeah, Jim Byrne, Michael Carl, they're going to be at Eagle Farm tomorrow, Ipswich Thursday, Durban Saturday. That's fine. But like you say, looking especially for the country meetings, and the one that I've plucked out here is Mackenzie Appel. Uh, Mackenzie's advised that she's going to be at Gladstone on Saturday, and even to the point, she's a three-kilo claiming apprentice. So trainers can then see... Good, I'm looking for a, a claimer. Right, Mackenzie's going to be at Gladstone. Then she's also already notified she'll be at Yupern on Saturday the 4th of November and Melbourne Cup Day riding at Mackay. So, for example, if you were going to then have a horse that was aimed at, say, the Gladstone meeting um, on a particular day or then looking at something that was going to be racing, like, say, Charleville on Melbourne Cup Day, thinking, well, I'm going to go and try and chase that apprentice. Oh, hang on, no, that apprentice is riding somewhere else. So, like you say, then you go looking through the list and you scroll a bit further down. So for Tuesday the 7th, um, I'll scroll further on down and see if I can find, for example, Jason Hoopert's down to ride at Mount Isa. I can find that uh, Colleen Cronin has already said that she's available for Cumbia or Bundaberg. So it's not just really locking yourself into something and that's it, it's set in stone. Depending on what kind of book of rides Colleen might be offered, depends on where she's going to go, whether it's going to be the Bundaberg Melbourne Cup Day meeting or the one at Cumbia. You're right, Tony, and that gives that flexibility for them. Now, let us know now where you potentially might ride. And Sometimes there's only one meeting on the day, but when it's a Saturday, there might be... A jockey might have three options, as you say, you know, Cumbia, Toowoomba and Wandai. 
put all three down there and then obviously amend it as you go along. Once you know that you've taken your three rides at Wandai, well, you know you're going there, shoot a text through that says remove me off the other two. So it's a, a very live, it takes three or four minutes for an update to go through. So as soon as you know what you're doing, let us know, we can make the amendment and then you're telling a trainer, hey, I might be at these three venues, give me a call. The phone call goes into the jock and the jock then says, hey, look, no, I'm definitely going to go to Wandai based on you giving me three rides. And then obviously the other two meetings would you know be taken off there. So it's not limiting anyone to say I'm definitely going to ride here. It's where you think you're going to ride. And once again, if you don't, when the trainer rings up, that's what you're looking for is, uh, from a jockey's point of view is to get the trainer to call. You can then negotiate with them whether you're definitely going there or or whether there's another plan you might be looking at. Cam, I think it's great too when I see the social media the jockeys use promoting their own rides or asking for rides. You're getting on there and reminding them, hey, come and use the site. Make sure you've got your details on there. You're really actively pushing it and it's, it's going to certainly um, pay off. Um, but I was mentioning earlier, Cam, and can you, can you see that trend too? That the, the supply of jockeys in Queensland seems to be growing quite well at the moment. The apprentices that are coming through, particularly the female apprentices, uh, the number of interstate jockeys moving in. Uh, Tiffany Brooker, I mentioned earlier, going out to Wandai to ride. There's a movement that pushes, I suppose, some jockeys out into um, into that direction. That supply of jockeys. Um, being able to, you know, this is just part of the part of the puzzle of matching it all up. What you're doing there, and as you mentioned, racing Queensland with the programming uh, this weekend is a real test for it because of the number of meetings on. The Sunday meeting situation works extremely well, and it'd be great to see those clubs that get multiple race days uh, to do at least one Sunday meeting a year. I even had a jockey ring me and said, Rob, why doesn't anyone race on Wednesday after Melbourne Cup? Now, I know we all love Melbourne Cup Day, but there's not one race meeting in Queensland on Melbourne Cup Day. So there's elements of scheduling that obviously are being worked on, but we're making some progress. I think we're just around the corner from, from um, really being successful with this problem. You're right, Rob, and um, you mentioned about the the jockey food chain, as I call it. For the first time for quite a while, it's going to work the other way. Normally, the jockeys are coming into Brisbane to sort of, you know, hey, there's opportunities in the metro area, so we're losing provincial jockeys to metro and country jockeys coming to provincial. Right now, with the quantity of jockeys in Brisbane and the metro area, I haven't seen it like that in 15 years. We're going to see the food chain natural attrition take place. We're going to see three or four jockeys probably who are, you know, regularly riding, say, you know, on, on a metro scene, start to look at saying, well, hey, I'm going to have to go out further. You mentioned Tip went out to Wandai and you're going to see different jockeys at the Gold Coast on Saturdays you mightn't have seen before. That's going to push jockeys outwards, you know, both north and west, which is a great thing in a lot of ways because well, that's where we needed them at the moment. So rather than them feeding us, we're actually, you know, for us being the southeast corner, we're probably going to start seeing it going the other way and feeding it back. And the other part you mentioned, you know, there, Rob, about, you know, the, the moving beast, which is programming. And, you know, on a Wednesday, you know, that's where Jason Scott, the new CEO, has got a, a, a different vision to what we've seen in the past. He's constantly looking at that stuff, saying, well, you know, why aren't we racing on that day? There's plenty of cashed up people the next day. They're still in Melbourne Cup mode. So they've got a hangover and they want to have a bet. Well, there's nowhere to bet, it's, which is crazy. So um, I think we're going to see a lot of things that we thought were the norm um, are going to be different going forward. And, um, you know, even like I mentioned to RQ the other day, they, they run the meeting at Formbra on a, on a night time. And obviously, while it's a night time, so be it. But we're having the first race with the biggest fields. And, yeah, that's good for turnover. But try and get 12 jockeys to Toowoomba mm. for race one at, say, 5pm when those jockeys are riding at the Gold Coast or they're riding at, say, Dolby or, or somewhere else that day. They want to go up there and race, but we have 
the biggest field race one and two and there's nothing worse and it's you know one of my pet hates is to see a horse and connections not be able to find a jockey and when it yeah, happens yeah. like Toowoomba which it's happened regularly in the last couple of weeks that's that's pretty disappointing that we're letting that happen you know Toowoomba which is a provincial you know a major provincial area it's part of our you know, a DNA to race in Toowoomba and you can't get a jockey there for a 12-horse field, you know, we've, we've got to look at that should have been the smallest fields later in the night with six horses in them. Just a couple of those early just to make sure that the, later on when all the jockeys arrive, we've got, you know, jockeys to fill the holes would be a lot more sensible. Yeah, classic example last Saturday where we had the five-race program at Stanthorpe overlap with Toowoomba. Uh, you're only literally just down the road, you know, an hour or so uh, to be able to get from one to the other. But at the same time, you know, jockeys can't just finish a race at five o'clock and then be at another track at six o'clock you've got the downtime afterwards weighing out checking in with the stewards can i leave sir you know all of that kind of thing um but yeah when you're within that sort of proximity cam there just needs to be a little bit of tweaking with something like that to ensure as you say owners and connections aren't left stranded on the sideline yeah that's the jockey pool you just got to look at the pool and you knew that the the, the jockeys from Stanford were going to want to come back to Toowoomba a lot of them live in Toowoomba so mm. they're going to all, all be back there by six o'clock well if our first race is at five o'clock you know, that's that if it has to go at five o'clock, make it make it the seven horse field, not the twelve horse field. It's, it's pretty common sense. And but turnover gets always is the is the thing that puts I suppose everything into perspective and, and you're thinking turnover, but you've got to balance turnover with reality and I'd much rather have a little bit less turnover on the race for the industry and have all horses get get a jockey than have two two connections get told, Sorry, you've looked for this race for three weeks, you've prepared for it, everything's ready, but oh no, there's no jockey for you. Time is on the wing, so we better wrap up a couple of other topics really quickly. You mentioned uh, Curious before when giving out the website about the jockey availability, CRISP with a Q, the Queensland Racing Industry Support Program. Tell us a little bit briefly about that. Yeah, look, that's just the industry coming together and with some great sponsorship from, you know, all, all parts, you know, race clubs and wagering concerns. So getting some money in the tin that we've so that we can look after our people and, and just show that we care, and it's both from a point of when you're really in need, we're there to help, but also just lifestyle and type type of things we can do for people. As we sent 30 families to the ECA during the ECA, we're going to do a lot of new deals with other entertainment type of things so that we can get people to think outside of racing and do something with their family. All about just trying to, you know, encourage a healthy and, and um, a good lifestyle for trainers who can get caught in the rut of 24-7 racing, which is detrimental to, you know, their marriages and their family and their children and all those things. So check, jump on and have a look at crisp.info. It's the same site where the jockey page is. See what we do, and, and it's ever-expanding, and we obviously do fundraising for individuals through there as well. So, it's it's look, it's a, a great initiative, and we get right behind it, and, and we're really thankful to all the sponsors who give us the ability to do it. You're also getting the message far and wide, and this communication is so important um, with employment of other people to get the message out to the more country areas, Ken? Yeah, look, and um, the, the more we can do for the country, the better. And we've and the ATA recognised this about six months ago. I got in touch with Tony Fennell and said, well, Tony, I think you're the right man for the job. I've been waiting for the right person to come along. And um, we've we've sort of announced Tony as our regional executive. So I look after sort of the southeast corner, and but anything west and sort of north of of Gympie and, and upwards, Tony can sort of step in and and be a little bit closer to the action as well. He's got a great understanding of of country and provincial racing up in those areas, being the ex CEO of Rocky Turf Club, um, having a daughter Talia riding. So he sort of he's got his finger on the pulse as well. So he'll he's slowly understanding that you know of how we do things, how we negotiate with Racing Queensland on race programming, and and that's probably one of the key. At the moment, because RQ are constantly wanting to sort of, you know, get the most out of, the, of their of their programming. Well, we've got to make sure that the the, uh, the trainers and the connections get the most out of it as well. It's got to work both ways. 
whether that's you know abandoning races because there's not enough in the field well you know we get involved in trying to make sure that doesn't happen and if it does happen get the race put back on again somewhere else and encourage trainers to work with the way they nominate and the way they accept to ensure that we get races to stand up and that's just a, a communication thing so tony's doing a great job there and the other things that you know he can do is get involved with the relationship between the trainers and the clubs um, I obviously have a relationship down here with the BRC and the Gold Coast Turf Club and town and, and say Toowoomba, Sunshine Coast and Ipswich. I don't have as great a relationship as I'd like to have, say, with Cairns and with Rockhampton and with Mackay and Townsville. So Tony's in a position he can get that relationship and build it up so that if the trainers need something, they can you know go to Tony and he can sort it out with the club and and, and all be on a united on the same page sort of a front. And just finally, Tony, I know we've got a little bit of time, hopefully, but um, Cam, just in regard to that food chain you were talking about, the jockeys, we've got a good batch of apprentices who are really thinking outside the square and being prepared to uh, travel and move. Emily Pomfret we had on last week, uh, a real example going out as far as Cunnamulla, but also realising that they can't get trapped into those areas and outride claims and then not have the opportunity to get to that provincial standard back into the coast. It comes down to me, uh, and also I must say experienced jockeys like Brendan Newport going travelling far and wide because of that food chain effect. We've got to incentivise them somehow to take on board that you don't just sit at the Gold Coast or Brisbane for one ride, uh, don't go out to the country because there's no surf and, and that sort of attitude they might have. Clubs are doing a good job in many cases, premierships, travel assistance and so on. But I'm pretty sure I heard that the trainers group... Uh, had the idea you could also incentivise, even with suspensions, uh, that type of thing with jockeys, that maybe they could get credit back on their suspension if they go and ride at a country meeting. Is that the sort of outside-the-square thinking that you guys are also putting forward? Yeah, sure, Rob. I've brought that one up many times and said, you know, it's just such a waste, particularly not so much for the Jim Burns, you know, and so Ryan Maloney no. who might get suspended down here, but, I mean, if they want to do it, great. But it's more for those ones who are still learning their craft. And we see, say, you know, a young a young jockey like, say, you know, um, Bailey Wheeler at the moment. If he's going to be out, you know, for two weeks, what good is it to him sitting on the sidelines mm. watching? It's just more chance for him to, to find other things that might get in his distraction and, and become a problem. Let's jump him on a plane and send him up to, to Mount Isa for the for, for, for the two weeks and let him ride at three different country venues up in those areas, you know, pay for his flights, get him up there. He's a, he's obviously a very talented rider. If we use him as an example, he'd, he'd bring a lot of, you know, uh, excitement to, to a little country meeting if we had one of the leading, you know, metropolitan apprentices up there. Um, tricky one, because Kirik is saying the deterrent is that you've got to do your time. And, you know, but it's a matter of just thinking outside the square, as you said, Rob, and it, it doesn't have to be what it's always been. And if we can encourage these guys who, who maybe, or ladies who are sitting on the sidelines somewhere to say, hey, you're going to go outside your normal pool, so you're not going to pick up and take relationships off people. It's just filling a hole. And, um, you know, I'm sure that that would be extremely well receptive to the industry. We've just got to work out a way to let Kirik and RQ talk about it and say, well, how could this work? Maybe they could work yeah. out something like they do with the sliding scale. Say, for example, rugby league, it's a grade such and such offence. So something like improper riding or improper conduct, you wouldn't qualify for something like that. But if it's, say, for example, a whip use uh, rule or something like that, that you've copped a two-meeting suspension, maybe that's reduced to one meeting and one of those meetings is served. And it's not saying that it's a penalty, it's a punishment that you're going to be sent to Charleville to race on the weekend. That's how you're then going to continue to ride, continue to earn money, you serve your one-meeting metropolitan suspension, you take one meeting as a country meeting, and you've served your suspension that way around. 
yeah, look, you know, anything that we can do to help a jockey shortage, which is definitely going to be always, well, it's getting worse all the time, particularly in the West. You know, we might have a Sunday down here when there's no Sunshine Coast. We have a day off. A lot of jockeys will say it's a day off. But for those other jockeys who don't get a lot of rides, that's actually a day without pay for them. So they think, well, maybe I should be going to that Sunday meeting in Charleville, but it's how, how do I organise that and make sure that I can do it that's not going to cost me too much money? And I think that's when we could step in as also and say, let's get the pool of jockeys and put them on a plane and send them to, to Roma for that Sunday meeting or whatever it might be. And, and the excitement and the, what it would bring to that meeting to have three or four well-known you know, Brisbane riders at the meeting would, mm. would, would obviously you know, pay dividends as well. So just constantly thinking outside the square is important, as, as Rob mentioned. Yeah, and straight away the, the trainers are willing to nominate. They don't think, I haven't got a jockey, I won't nominate. You get the notion, yep, I'm nominating for that race, I'll be able to get a jockey. So that supply and demand starts matching. Cam, there's a fantastic conversation. I'd really like to pursue a little bit more with you. We've probably run out of time today, but certainly be keeping in touch down the track uh, because that aspect even of attitudes of jockeys and uh, seeing how much of an income can be made by being in the country, Robbie Farr, a classic example, moved his family to Longreach, country uh, uh, country jockey of the year last year, but no incentive given to him in removal costs or anything like that. You've got to incentivise people to get out into those areas, and I think there's ways to do it. So I'd love to keep in touch with you in regard to that and uh, keep pursuing this issue because I think we're just around the corner from solving it. Yeah, thanks, Rob and Tony. More than happy to do it, and a great job both of you do to bring these, you know, things up and get them talked about. Because if you know people can listen to it and hear it, and know that there's there's, there's a thought process happening. Um, we can then hopefully get through to to the administrators, Racing Queensland and Curic, to say, well, these are the ideas we've got. Let's, you know, how can we make them happen? Good on you, Parsi. We'll chat soon. Thanks, boys. Cheers. Cameron Partington joining us there from uh, Curisp and his other hat with the uh, as a jockey manager and his other hat with the uh, Queensland Trainers Association executive and God knows how many other hats that Cameron wears along the way. <laughs> but we've got a lot of ideas that are in the melting pot, Rob, and as you say, we've just got to get them out there, get people talking, thinking and putting outside the square uh, ideas forward in the hope that we might be able to find a solution. Yeah, don't think anything's too silly when it comes to solving these problems. As I said, a jockey ringing me and saying, well, why isn't anyone racing on uh, Wednesday, the day after Melbourne Cup? There's a whole day where there's no racing, um, yet we're all trying to clamour in, and we know why, being Melbourne Cup Day. But this weekend, a good test. Let's see how it goes, Tony, with all those meetings that are taking place on the weekend, as well as the Magic Millions Ready to Run sale, which I'm going to get organised and head off to now I'm on the Gold Coast. But uh, we'll be back next week, Tony, with all those results and more in terms of stampedes and country cups as we build to the final. Uh, good morning to you, good morning to listeners and good morning to family on their way to Bundaberg. Safe driving, guys. Good on you, Rob. Have a great week. Thank you to Rob <laughs> Luck and Cameron Partington for joining us on the show today. Good luck to the clubs racing this Saturday. The uh, country cups meetings that are coming up at places like uh, Clifton and Gympie and Isisford with their Ross Cup program plus meetings at uh, Charleville and Gladstone and Richmond. And we'll be back next Tuesday to report on that and a whole heap more on Bushbeat.